Good morning and welcome back to the Legal Queen podcast. I release these episodes every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday at 6am. In only two months, guys, we have grown to 10,000 monthly listeners. Wow, blows my mind. And I just wanted to say thank you so much. I get hundreds of messages every day saying how much this podcast is helping people. So if I could ask whatever application you may be listening to this on, Spotify, Apple, Amazon or anywhere else, if you could please give me a five-star rating, it will really help push the podcast so that we can help even more people. My goal is to be reaching 50,000 monthly listeners by the end of the year and you guys can directly help me achieve that. Anyway, enjoy the following episode. Good evening, everybody. How are we? Already a few hands up. Uh, sorry, a few people in the lounge, I should say. Not a few hands up. Want to welcome everyone. It's Thursday. It's six o'clock. Here we go again for another hour of family law questions and hopefully some answers. Um, it's always a pleasure for you guys, um, sorry, for me to join you guys, I should say, so that I can help you out. I'm going to kick off this evening with Jenna. Um, Jenna, whenever you're ready, you can join me on the stage and ask me your question. Very long run. It's been 14 years of um, court so far. We have eight court orders. All are for child access to the child at contact. However, Um, most recently, we've decided that the child's 14 and that we don't want to carry on going through the court system anymore. Um, after mum basically got the child to write a letter to say that he didn't want to see us, um, which was part of parental alienation. I mean, you only have to look at the history of the case just to see that we've tried every single time contact's broken down, we've had to go back to court, etc. Um, this time, though, we've asked for the case to be dismissed after that they ordered a Section 7. We felt it was quite intrusive. We have four other children. Um, so we basically just said, look, you know, he's going to be 18 in a couple of years' time. Uh, we'd like the case to be dismissed now. It's unfair on our other children, you know, that are basically grieving the loss of someone who's still alive. How do you feel a judge is going to see it? We basically asked for the case to be dismissed and that the Section 7 doesn't go ahead. So we're just sort of wondering whether it's likely that the case is going to get dismissed off of the basis that, you know, it has been 14 years. The ch- Like, we've got... This is the eighth order that we've had and... Now it's just not fair on our children to go through it anymore. I think, um, this, Jenna, if, you know, if the... How do you feel the judge will see that? If the court has ordered a Section 7, a Section 7 will go ahead, OK? So uh, it, it's it's one of those where if the matter's been before the court for such a long time anyway, the court is going to want to try and get an order in place for this child rather than just dismiss it. If it was dismissed after all this time, chances are it would be appealable by the other side. So I think what's most likely going to happen is um, CAFCAS are going to make a recommendation um, because that's the whole point of having the Section 7. If the parents can't agree following that recommendation, it may be that the matter proceeds to a final hearing and the court orders those recommendations anyway. Naturally, this one's going to come to an end very soon because once the child reaches 16, any child arrangements orders will no longer apply. So organically, this one is going to come to an end shortly anyway. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's why we just feel like fighting is just... I mean, we've done 14 years of fighting, we're exhausted. Mm -hmm. And no contact that we have now would feel uh, sort of quality time. It's just constant battles constantly. So, yeah, we're just... We were hoping that it'd obviously be dismissed. But, yeah, no, that's understandable. All right. Hope that's helped. 
Thanks, Jenna. Thank you. Okay, bye. Captain, I'm coming to you next, whenever you're ready. What's your question? Hello, I can hear you now. Hello. Oh, that's good. I don't know what happened there, but Paddy fixed it for me. <laughs> Thankfully, he was here. Yeah, no, there's nothing better than a live for things to go wrong. <laughs> yeah. Can you just give out the number for legal aid, please? Because I know there's a few people wanting yep. it this evening. Absolutely. So for those of you that are yeah. that think you might be entitled to legal aid... The starting point is to get in touch with the Civil Legal Advice Line and their phone number is 0345 345 4345 and effectively you'll be on the phone for sort of 15-20 minutes with them and they will do an assessment first of all to see if you qualify um, by way of testing the means i.e. do you have uh, sufficient income or lack of and also the merits. So is your case likely to succeed? Okay. Um, We can't usually get legal aid in family. There has to be, generally speaking, domestic violence involved. We used to be able to get it just like crime. And in 2013, the government made some huge changes. Um, But it is still available for certain members of society, as I say, usually with domestic violence involved. But that's 0345 345 4345. Okay. Um, Terry, you're next up. What's your question? Hi, um, can you hear me? I can, yeah. I have, you've kind of covered it in, in the last um, uh, question that was asked, but I've got a hearing date in February to to change my daughter's surname to mine. Yeah. Uh, it has been domestic abuse and everything like that involved, but it's yeah. got. I had a letter last week saying that it's gone to a hearing as they can't do a paper base because of the allegations for of, um, yes. d- d- different things that I've put in. So I just wondered, is that a normal process? And what is the likelihood it would be sort of done and dusted in one hearing? Um, It depends, Terry, on on the objections. So for those others that are listening, the reason it won't be done on the papers is because obviously the court feel that they want to hear from both parents. So when something's contested like that, it's it's absolutely normal for, for the court to list it for a hearing. And what the court want to try to understand more clearly is obviously Mm. we're going to understand why you want to change the name um, because of what's gone on but more importantly why dad doesn't want to change the name so they're going to listen to to both of your objections and it might be that that it won't be decided on the first hearing that the court want both of you to perhaps make some detailed statements with a view to it going to a final hearing now, it's at the final hearing where the court will decide if that's in the child's best interest, okay? So, and of course, in the statement, you would put exactly why it is that you want the child's name changed, why you think it's in the child's best interest, and why you think that, you know, that your application should succeed. But yeah, it's totally normal um, to list it for a hearing. So don't be concerned about that. Okay, thanks. And just one other thing, when they sent me the email last week um, regarding it, um, I panicked until I called the court because the letter that they sent me with the hearing date stated that he was the applicant and I was a respondent. But when I called them, they said, oh, no, it's just a fault. RN just email it. Can he do anything with that to say is the applicant or will it be once no. the no, 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 because it'll be your application, Terry. That is simply just an admin error. You know, it'll be your application that's gone in that started proceeding. So you're the person that's asking for this order. Um, he, he won't be able to change that at all. Oh, OK. So once they go into the system, if he tries anything, it will come up. Yeah. I mean, even if he may make sometimes parents will then make another application. So even if he makes another application, you'll still be the applicant. 
um, because your application was first in time. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Terry. Bye bye. Uh, Kelly, you are up next. Whenever you're ready, ask me your question. Hi. I'm just. Um, I'm looking at part thirty-six offers. Right. Um, through Talata. Yeah. Um, I've had an offer that I want to accept. Yes. Um, it says if I accept it in the fourteen days. Yes. I'll have to pay the legal fees, right. and the legal fees are in excess of five thousand plus VAT. Okay. So I want to. I need to avoid paying these fees because I'm do. already paying out nearly 40000 for the offer. Okay. So I wanted, is there a way to accept the offer without paying the fees like after the well, expired what, what 14 I, days? Or... What I would do, Kelly, is I'd go back with a counter offer. So go go back with right, a counter offer. Go back, go back, go I, back with another it, one. I mean, ultimately, yeah. if you're not happy with the offer that's on the table, you can't accept it. All right, so if their offer is you pay me X amount lump sum and you pay my legal fees if you accept this offer, yeah. then you, you don't agree with yeah. that offer. Okay, so that, that's no longer on the table. Now, given that they are making an offer, they're clearly very motivated, as you are by the sounds of it, to keep matters outside of court. So just keep yeah. negotiating, okay? Just keep yeah. negotiating. Worst case scenario, you, you guys go to another hearing, and the court may get to see these offers that are made backwards and forwards. So if you're not happy, yeah. the, the, the answer to your question is no. Is there a way to accept the offer and, and not pay their fees? Well, the answer to that is no, because that's part of their, their condition. That's part of their offer, isn't it? So you either accept right. the I offer thought, or you don't. Yeah, I thought just I thought the thirty six offer was including the fees. I didn't realise it were a condition. Um, so could I offer more than their offer? So the previous previous offer was more was higher, but it, but it included capital gains tax. Me paying his capital gains tax based on him not living in the property for three years, um, which was going to be about another four thousand. So obviously I would, I'd have been stupid to accept that offer. And then I counter offered for for the amount that he asked for but without the capital gains tax um and then they didn't accept that so could i offer like higher than them yeah sorry kelly i, I mean i can't advise you on what offer to make because obviously i have zero context of your matter mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. what i'm saying is if you don't agree with their offer don't accept it now it's up yeah. to you then what you go back with obviously if you wanted advice as to what to go back with then we can't do that yeah. on the discord so, no. but but what I'm um, saying is, you're free to make an offer of your choosing. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I don't is know it, what that is would it, be. Is it okay if I offer more than what he's offered, but I don't want to pay the legal fees? Whatever offer you make is absolutely fine. The whole point mm. of the of the offers is it's, to just to get the parties to to negotiate really, so that we can get the matter out of court. So yes. Be as, mm -hmm. as open and, and as frank as, as you need to be in the offers in order to settle the matter without obviously yeah, causing yourself, yeah. you know, yeah. an injustice. Liam, thank you so much. Um, do I need to write anything specific about not, I don't want to pay the cart fees, his cart fees? So no. my offer is this, I don't want to pay the cart fees. No, you would simply say, your offer is rejected, here is my counter offer. Right, yeah, right. brilliant. Thank I'll leave you. it there. Thanks, Kelly. Bye. Um, Ellie Lou, thank you so much for waiting. I know you took a while to join me. What's your question? Oh, hiya. Um, Hello. Thanks for um, using me. Anyway, um, when my little boy was born, he's four and a half now, um, he was placed on an ICO. He's since been removed off that. And in regards to myself, social services are not involved anymore. 
Now, during that process, his um, father requested a DNA test. It was all granted. And then during the court, he fought for PR, which was given um, on, um, you know, by the family court. Now, since then, he, he hasn't seen him for four and a half, well, four years. He walked away in November 2019. Now, in March this year, I've received a letter and a phone call from our local um, social services advising me to keep my little one away because his father's under investigation for quite a serious allegation um, of a minor. Um, so I'm just wondering where I stand in terms of um, contact and stuff like that, you know, like, because I've heard that he's going to try and gain contact. Like, I just want to know where I stand. Can I, like, refuse that? Do I need to take it back to court? I think if if the, if he approaches you just sort of, you know, without any court intervention and puts a proposal forward for contact that you don't agree with, you're in your rights to say, I don't agree with that. That then will, his only um, option then is to make an application to the court. Once it comes before the court, the judge, gonna, the judge is going to ask you why you don't feel that contact is appropriate and you will let them know the reasons for that. And then it will be for the judge to decide as as to what contact that the child should have. So it won't all fall on your shoulders. Initially, you can simply say no, and then the other side yeah. will have to seek the court's help. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. Okay, so it's just a case of, you know, just waiting to see what he says and then yeah. going from there, really. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. who would make the application to go back to court then? Well, if, if he's the one looking for contact, it would be him. The onus isn't on you because the, it's the other side that want the contact. Right, okay. Yeah. And obviously because he, he did fail his parent assessments when he was actually, um, you know, in terms of yeah. when social services were completing their checks and stuff, yeah. um, he, he only passed 18% of his parent assessment. Okay. Um, so it was always going to be supervised. Would he have to provide someone to supervise that or is that down to myself to no you know no, if in again, future he does yeah no again he would make that um proposition or that proposal you would then be afforded the opportunity to say if you are in agreement to that person supervising so you know the court's right. going to always try to keep it as conciliatory as they can between the both of you um, so, it, but it would be for them ultimately to to come up with someone that can supervise. It wouldn't be your problem. That's brilliant. All, All right, right, that's great. Thank you so much for no your help. No problem. You're welcome. Bye, Captain. You. you are up again. What's your question? Hello. Hello. Um, so a couple of quick ones. Yeah. Um, SJ has said so. If you've been getting contact uh, contact with a child but fail a drug hair test, will contact be completely stopped? No, it won't be completely stopped. The court's put in a, you know, in a very sort of dubious position there because the, its first instinct is going to want to keep the routine going between parent and child for the sake of the child, particularly if the child is, you know, enjoying contact, etc. And we've got a nice rhythm going. However, it is going to take the results of those tests very seriously. So I think the first thing, if I were acting for the person who had failed, I'd be looking at just how badly we failed. If we've only failed a little bit, then I'm going to be looking at how contact is generally. Is Have we failed? Because actually we might be drinking when the child isn't in our care. If the child's only having a couple of hours once a week, could we maybe turn that into supervised contact prior to us, you know, losing contact altogether? 
ultimately the parent does need to take you know a good long hard look what do they want more because you know long term there's going to have to be some clear evidence that they aren't or they don't have addiction issues so i wouldn't say that it would stop straight away obviously i don't know the context of this case but it's certainly going to be taken seriously. Okay, All that's right. great. Uh, and another question. Yep. This is for Fand Angle 1991, but yep. I think it might help other people as well. Yeah. So if I have a child arrangement order in place and I now wish to move with my child to another area in the UK, what steps do I need to take? The child arrangement order states that the child lives with me by consent, but does not stipulate where I must live. The other parent has already stated that they will absolutely not agree to the move. Okay. Uh, Funny, I had a call about this earlier on today. If the contact that has been ordered won't be affected by the move, then the court will have no objection. So, for example, if the contact parent is having, let's say, alternate weekends and the move isn't going to impact that, great, then the court will allow the move. It's only where the move will impact the contact between the, the parent and the child. Um, so, they, so they certainly can't just up and move um, if it's going to impact the contact, I, I would suggest, because we've got an order in place. Um, but their prospects of success are going de- to be determined upon how much is going to impact the contact. Okay, thanks, Tracy. Appreciate that. Thanks, Captain. Uh, Lois, you are next up whenever you're ready. You're on mute, by the way, Lois. What's your question? Hiya. Hello. Um, I was just wondering if... I know that, um, obviously, if your partner wants to put in an adoption application, then the other parent loses their PR. Yeah. Um, I'm just wondering why is that the courts allow that, but they don't allow... For, another, for the other parent just to give up their PR, if you see what I mean, because in our case, we've got the two of us already have PR, so there's no real reason for the adoption application, but I know that um, my ex-partner can't just give up his PR to the children. No, he, he, can't, he can't give it up through his own um, free will. PR can be mm-hmm. removed from a parent, and it doesn't always get removed because there's adoption. Um I'm okay. not. I'm not really following the question. Sorry, Lois. Do you want to just maybe run that by me again? What? What's it, your? It's what's... just that I know from what you said before yeah. that if a new partner does adopt the child, the other parents made aware because they ah. lose their PR let as a me, result of that. So, so let me clarify. If a new parent comes in, so a new partner comes in, who is yeah. essentially going to be a step parent, they can also have parental responsibility. So three of you can then have PR, okay? But where the child is placed up for adoption, the adoptive parents will be given PR, not necessarily the new partner. You know, the new partner who comes into the family dynamics can be given PR. It's where... But that's a very different scenario to adoption. So when I talk about adoption, I'm not necessarily thinking of the biological parents Generally, adoption is by non-biological parents and then the biological parents will lose the PR. In our case, the three of us do have PR. Right. um, And that's the way it is at the moment. Yes. But I've heard people ask the question that their new partner wants to actually adopt the child. Okay. And then they sort of, uh, the the other parent then loses their PR. Is that how that works? That, That is how that works. And of course, there's no guarantee 
that the court will allow the adoption to take place because in that instance you've got three parents two biological and a step parent that have got pr and if everything's working well the court might say to the step parent well why adopt because that means that biological father loses the pr so the court might well say let's just keep it all as it is but if the court allow the adoption to take place then yes biological father loses pr all right I hope that's helped. Thanks, Thank Lois. Bye. Thank you. JH, I'm going to come back to you. Let's see if I can hear you this time. And following JH, I've got Mike Tony. Can I hear you? Can you hear me? I can. Can you hear me? Oh, brilliant. Excellent. Thank you. Can you what, hear me okay? Yeah? I can brilliant. indeed. What's your question? Thanks, um, It's It's not as deep as the rest of everyone else. Okay. Um, I'm very <laughs> in the early stages of getting a divorce. Okay. So context is, I was married in 2008. Yeah. Um... I left the I left um, in 2016. Yeah. Um, we bought properties together back in 2002, but it was just under my wife's name. Yeah. Um, I'm now looking just to cut loose everything else, um, but I just want to know where I stand in terms of being able to claim for equity in the property. I still see my kids. We yeah. see them like every couple of weeks. Everything yeah. else. Yeah. I'm paying CMA. Everything else. Yeah. Um, but I want to start the process. She's saying that she wants to just do it between us. Yes. I'm thinking, do I just go legally and just do it through solicitors? I just need some advice on that really, please. Absolutely. So here's what I would do. Step one, I would get yourself a one-off consultation with a solicitor. Find out exactly right. what you're legally entitled to. That's it. That's all you need to begin with, okay? You need mm -hmm. to know your legal position because then you're in sure. a better position to negotiate. Step two then, right. do what I call the kitchen table discussion. So you and her just sit down over a coffee or whatever and just kind of, um, you know, think, well, this is how I think we should be splitting the finances. Because obviously you're coming at it with some legal advice. You don't have to tell her that you've got the legal advice, but, you know, just sure. sort of float your position and see where what her position's at. If the kitchen right. table discussion doesn't work, then I would suggest go to mediation. Because sometimes a couple can be so emotionally involved in it, understandably, that it's difficult mm. for them to communicate and negotiate. And that's where a mediator can help. So a mediator can, mediator can sort of take the sting out of it and almost translate mm. what it is that you're both trying to say because they'll take the emotion right. out. Worst case scenario, if, if after having done those three steps and we've still got no closer, then it's going to be a court application. And, and I would hope that right. it wouldn't come to that. So mediation first? And then um, if not... adv advice first, kitchen table second, mediation third, yeah. court fourth. Yeah. Okay. So I'm 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 trying to be nice yeah. in terms of it because we don't really talk. Okay. But I don't want loads of money out of the house, but I know I paid for like the best part of ten years towards yeah. the mortgage. Yeah. Um, how do I say to her, I only want X amount out of the equity. Um, I'd obviously don't want them to move out of the house, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but we don't. The thing is, okay, we don't talk. Okay. That's the problem. We don't we don't we don't have that relationship, so I would I would always present it as a percentage. So let's say mm -hmm. that you had two hundred thousand of equity and all you were looking for yep. is twenty grand. Just 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 as an example. Right. So I would be sure. emailing to say, look, you know, we need to get the financial order because otherwise we don't sever our financial ties. You know, the divorce won't mm -hmm. do that. So that's why we need the financial order. And as part of that financial order, I would suggest that I take 10% because a percentage right. always looks a lot less than a figure. So 10% is a lot sure. scarier than 20 grand. 
Someone might read a letter yeah. and think, God, 20 grand, how in God's name am I going to raise that? Whereas 10% mm. is like, oh, actually, that's hardly anything out of all the equity in the property. Do you know what I mean? And I would just send right, the email. Sure. I would just, I would approach, approach it that way. Now, you might okay. get a flat no. You might get ignored. Um, that's fine. You, you're still going to have to attempt mediation before you make right. that court application anyway. But at least right. you've okay. put your position forward and they can then start right. thinking about it. Brilliant. Okay. So mediation first. Yeah. And then try and throw out a percentage going yeah. forward from there. And look, the bottom no line is that regardless of who's paid in what and who's earning mm-hmm. what, everyone's entitled to a share of the matrimonial assets. The, the, the killer question is what percentage share you're entitled to, but you are entitled mm-hmm. to a share. Brilliant. All right? Lovely. Thank you, Phil. Appreciate, appreciate your time. Thank Pleasure. You. Okay, bye-bye. Hi, Nick Nick. How are you? Hi, good. I uh, hope you are well. Um, I if am. you don't mind, I've got two questions. Far away. Um, the, the first one, um, I'm about to go to the final hearing. Yes. And just before attending that final hearing, she, she, she stopped responding to, to all the emails I've sent out. Um, her solicitor went completely quiet for a month um, and then he came back with this ex- excuse that he was on holiday and now he's no longer a solicitor and um, and yeah she she's not responding to any of my emails um, and we have to work together do the evaluation and then re- report it back to to the court we are missing all the deadlines and, uh, mm. and I don't know what to do I've already written to the to the court and they said um, you know you need to seek um, you need to go to the Yes, correct. Um, and the, the problem is um, the, the mortgage provider, uh, they're going to put the house in an auction because none of us actually could afford to pay the mortgage. Right. Okay. Um, she, she's currently living in it and, um, and I'm not. Uh, and I don't know what's going to happen because, um, you know, if, if there are any further delays, the, the house is going to go. Okay. Um, what was your second question, Nick Nick? Yeah, so the second question is um, I've just received a, a letter from uh, child maintenance and they've asked me to yeah. increase the payment, almost double the payment. Yeah. And this is because of the some of the buy to lets I've got. But as you know, since 2019, uh, they changed the um, you know, tax and uh, you know, I can't really take anything off from from one paying towards the mortgage. So for me at the moment, it's just uh, loss, uh, you know, that, you know, all the buy to lets are basically uh, what's your, not Nick, making any money. But Nick, what, asking, what's your question? Can you just ask me your question? Yeah, so so I'm just wondering, uh, can I write back to um, to them and ask them uh, to revisit this and okay. not, not to so, increase? Yeah, so I, I'm sure you're already aware because you, you've, you've listened to me before. Family lawyers, we don't deal with CMS, so I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't know the answer to that question if you can write back to them. And if you do write back to them, will they make an adjustment? 
that um, that jurisdiction it that sticks firmly with the CMS. So unfortunately, I can't help you there. I'm not sure if um, Anne is in this evening. Generally, Anne will, will bob on when I'm doing a live on TikTok and she'll help out with the CMS questions. Um, she's my sort of CMS specialist on there. Um, I don't know if she is. So if you want to bob... Oh, yeah, Zoe's telling me that she is in. There she is. Um, so if you want to bob over to the TikTok live, Nick Nick, Anne will ha happily help you with that question. All right? Thanks Fab so much. Appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Bye. Um, right, next up is user 123456. How can I help? Hi. Hello. Um, I am uh, going through a civil court. Yeah. Um, I was in a 10-week marriage. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, due to domestic violence I've left so I've got a criminal court and a civil court going on at the same time yeah now my partner has left me with a lot of wedding debt and uh, he's refusing when we're going through uh, solicitors to pay any debt off because all of the bills were under my name uh, would the court grant if I was to go to court would they uh, half the debt can I ask first of all are we talking English court or Scottish court Okay, so I won't be able to help you. I'm so sorry. I only practice in England and Wales and I'd hate to um, sort of lead you up the garden path. In Scotland, I do know that it's different, um, but I don't know how it's different. So I'm not able to to assist. I'm so sorry. You've waited as well so patiently, um, but I'm not able to help you. What normally happens in the English court? In the English court, the court won't make an order as to debt unless we've got assets to pay the debt. So the court would look at, first of all, is the debt matrimonial debt? And if the answer to that question is yes, then they're going to look at, do we have assets that, that are available to pay the debt off? So effectively, it would come off the assets that belong to the marriage. So both parties effectively were paying it. But I don't know if the okay. Scottish courts would apply that, that rule. Oh, OK. That's right. perfect. Thank you. No problem. Bye. Uh, JH, let me try you again. Bless you. You have tried and tried this evening. Um, JH, what's your question? I, uh, it's about a molestation order. OK. Uh, I received a molestation order in April due to false allegations and all the lies, basically. Yes. On the, on, on the findings. The findings were all lies. Yeah. But, Obviously, uh, the police now have dropped everything now. It's the NFA. There's no further action with nothing. Yeah. Can I go back to the court and have to, 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 to um, drop that molestation order because there's no evidence? So has the has the final order been made, JH, in regard to the non-mol? Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. actually on, yeah. I've got, yeah. The, I've got the non-mol, yeah. And was it, was it, um, is it in existence for 12 months? Can you remember? 12 months, yeah. And how many months are left? It's, it started in April. So we're about six months in, almost six months in. Four, five months in. Okay. So the reason I ask is that effectively what you want to do is appeal the decision. Um, but yes. I'm going to yeah, I'm going to I'm going to suggest to you that you don't actually bother appealing the decision because by the time you get that through the court and get a fresh application for the judge to consider, it's probably going to have expired anyway. In which case there'll be no decision for the court to make. Because okay, she's in my house, you see, and I can't go. She knew what she was doing with this molestation order because my bail conditions are up now. I, I, I can go to the house through the police, but she's got this molestation order now. Okay. She's still in my house now. Okay. I can't go there. Okay. I mean, I think, again, my advice would, would well, I don't give advice, obviously, but suggestions on this channel, but I would certainly just say wait until it expires 
and then you want to start the um, the application. I mean, you can start the finance application prior to it expiring, as long as you don't go to the house. Um, but I certainly wouldn't try to overturn that decision. You just don't have enough time. It will have expired before then. Can I ask another question, please? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, there's a car. There's a car that my ex-girlfriend. I bought it. I bought it um, in my name. Yeah. Um, and she's still got it now. She's driving around in it, but it, it was in my name. But she's changed it over without my own. So when I've when I've said I want the car back, she wants the car's in my name. It's mine. But the finance is in my name as well. Where do I stand with that? Well, that's fraud. I mean, if it was in your name and she's changed it into her yeah. name, then yeah. that's fraud. Um, yeah. you, you need to report that to the police. I will do, yeah. I was thinking yeah. of the same line, yeah. Yeah, yeah also, absolutely. Also, you know, going on about fraud, do you know if I'm buying, my house, if I'm buying a house and um, obviously she's had, she's had um, my email address password, yeah, so she's been using my email as well. Sometimes I knew she sent, she said she sent an email, but she's, the email, she's been sending a lot of emails that I didn't know about. And sign and write, writing letters to the to the conveyance solicitors and signing my signature. Okay. And as if as if it was, if it was me. And I've actually got that on my on, on my scent. Okay. The actual letters you handwriting. I think. And I think it, where, is, where is that is that something? Well, it it depends what that email did. So if it resulted in an action that has caused hardship to you, for example, then you want to pursue that. So as a result of the emails to the conveyancing solicitor or wherever she sent these emails, that has now impacted upon you in a negative way. Whereas if the emails yep. haven't really impacted you, again, I wouldn't bother pursuing that. So so look at the actions that that deceit has caused. Well, the emails now have all, all said that, that that's a, a benefit of interest because she was involved in buying the house because she emailed, she emailed herself from my email address. Every email that come in from the surveyances yeah. and the the uh, the statement, and that's where she's saying she's got their financial interest in now because she was buying the house from the start with me. Okay, but she wasn't. So, so then, so then you're yeah. So then you're going to be able to use those emails because actually she doesn't have a beneficial interest, and that's where the court comes in. So the answer to your question is yes, I would be using those. I think what what I'm going to suggest is that you take some legal advice because you've got a little bit of crime, a little bit of family, all right? So it's, it's going to be far better to actually have a proper consultation with a solicitor so they can point out to you what the police can deal with, what the family court's going to deal with, um, all right? So the house will definitely come under the family side. The fraud and the car will come under the police side, okay? Brilliant. Great. Brilliant, thanks a lot. Pleasure. All right then, bye-bye. Okay. Captain, what's your question? Um, oh, I've lost it now. No. Um, so this is the Doodle there yeah. in the audience. And yeah. He sent it me ages ago. I apologise, Doodle. I'm doing other work as well as listening to Discord, so yeah. I didn't see it. Um, so the question is, Doodle's the resident parent. Yeah. I am due a review hearing after six weeks of child contact for my child with the other parent. Yeah. Child contact has been once a week to see other parent. In reality, this is, this is tough as I have another child I am responsible for. Yeah. What is a reasonable expectation for the child to see a non-resident parent? This is interfering with my quality time with my child to enjoy weekends as they're in school, as their school age. I understand I see, see them every day for school runs, but this isn't quality time if they're yeah. at school. Absolutely. So the first thing I would say is there isn't a reasonable expectation. It will all depend on each family dynamic. So family law is very bespoke as to what suits that, that, that particular family. 
But what the court are always trying to promote and what the law says is that the child does have a right to have a relationship with both parents. And how we try to achieve that is that we look at the child's free time, so outside of school and outside of any sort of extracurricular things, and we try as best we can to sort of divide that time evenly. So the child gets an opportunity to spend equal amounts of their free time with both parents. So whatever that template looks like is what's going to um, fit that family. For most families, it's alternate weekends, but not every family, because some, fa you know, some dads are work shifts as if they're in the forces or, you know, policemen or whatever it might be. Um, so, but try to spread the child's free time as evenly as possible. Okay, that's All great. Right. Thanks, Tracy. Pleasure. I'll uh, speak to you next week. All right, thanks. Have a nice weekend, I Captain. I won't be a Tuesday. Oh, you won't? All right, then. Speak to you then. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Um, Ibrahim, Ibrahim, sorry, beg your pardon. Khan, you are next up. Whenever you're ready, ask me your question. Hello. Oh, hello. How can I help? So um, I'm just calling for my, my cousin. Basically, what it is is her, her partner, they've been in a relationship for like 10 whatever years. Yeah. And her partner is now going through child contact for his visa. He has, he's, he doesn't really care for his children. Um, he's only doing it for the purpose of his visa just because we've known him for so long. And um, he basically, he could be getting child contact. He's getting indirect contact at the moment. Is there anything to kind of show to the court that what he's doing is only for his visa and he hasn't got any true intentions for his children? Um, it, it, that depends on the context, if I'm honest with you. Um, it's more common than people think. Uh, where yeah. there's, there's visa issues, um, people can make applications in the family court to extend that. It will come down to the evidence that your cousin can show to the court that proves what your cousin is saying is true. Um, so, and, and that will maybe be historical evidence, um, but that's all it will come down to. There isn't anything specific that I can tell you. There's no sort of rule there. Um, because the family court's very separate to immigration. All the family court's going to be interested in is the child having a relationship with him. Um, it won't entertain the visa situation at all. So if if there is no real motive, um, save for the visa, then it'll be down to your cousin to try and show that. Okay. Um, sorry, just one more little question. You know, he's not paying his... CMS uh, child maintenance. Yeah. I know you don't answer questions on child maintenance, yeah. but um, could we that raise that to the court and could they make an order against it to make sure he is paying his child maintenance? No. And it's only like seven pounds no. a, a week for like six children. No. So the, the first of all, the family court won't make any determination on maintenance at all. That, that will land firmly with the CMS. But the other thing to, uh, to remember is that contact and maintenance don't go hand in hand. Now, rightly or wrongly, I'm just telling you that the reality of, of, of the situation. So what that means is that a person can still have contact with a child even though they are making no maintenance payments. In the same way as lots of parents are paying maintenance religiously and not having contact with the child. So one isn't dependent upon the other. So you could raise it with family court, but it will have no bearing on the case. Okay. All right? 
All right, then, thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Uh, I'm going to take one more. Shabs, you are up next whenever you're ready. Hopefully you can... There we go. What's your question, Shabs? Hi, Tracy. Um, I just have um, like two questions. Yeah. One of them being, um, my husband, he has uh, two kids with um, his ex-partner. Um, they were married for like 10, 12 years. Um, so one of the daughter, she lives here, but the other child, um, uh, he lives with the mom. And um, the my partner, he only got one day of child arrangement. And I know you said to Captain that um, they should spend equal amount of time. Um, I just wanted to know where he can stand in terms of that. And also, because I've been married like in a religious ceremony um, with my husband, it hasn't, we haven't done the, like the civil ceremony here in the UK. So I'm not married to him in the country, but they haven't finalized their financial settlement would i be able to um like if when the financial settlement is done does my assets coming to their their arrangement because i'm married to him so let's go back to the first question shabs which was around your partner having contact with his child um what i said to captain was that generally speaking where we have um parents who can't decide on contact um, the court's yeah. always going to look to promote contact with both parents and they're going to try to divide the time equally. Now, that model doesn't fit every family, okay? So I'm not really able to answer your specific question um, because I don't know the context of your partner's dynamic with his children. What I would say, mm -hmm. though, is if he's not getting contact or he doesn't feel he's getting enough contact, then he can seek assistance from the court. And he does that yeah, by completing... Yeah, they, they are um, in court at the moment, so okay. the court trials are running. Right, so so that, that will sort itself through, okay? And I'm sure that CAFCAS will be involved. Answering yeah. your second question, uh, if you are living with him and have been for more than six months, then yes, the other side are going to want to know what your income is and what your outgoings are. Oh, we've been together for Sorry? three years now. Yeah. Well, then they'll want been, to know. Yeah, we've been living together for three years now. Okay, there we go then. Hopefully yeah. that's answered your question. All right, thank All you right. so much. Thanks, Shabs. Bye-bye. Thank you. Right, guys, that's come to another, um, we've come to the end of another hour of Family Law Q&A with the Legal Queen. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. For those of you still with your hand up, I'm so sorry that I didn't get to you. I am, however, back here again next Tuesday at six o'clock for another hour. So for those of you who have more Family Law questions, please feel free to join me then. And of course, remember that we are recording all of these sessions and they're going out on my podcast which is on Wednesdays and Fridays at 6am. So there'll be another one released at 6am in the morning. Until then, enjoy your weekend, guys, and I look forward to speaking to you next week. Bye-bye.